0: amen awesome so good thank you worship team for leading us into singing not just songs but singing god's word what a powerful name it is the name of jesus Mm. well last week we began a new series here at walk church that we've titled from death to life our study through ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter two, one of the things we love doing here at Walk Church is just taking books of the Bible and then verse by verse, just walking through each one of the words in the scripture and allowing God to speak to us. We love saying exactly what the text says so that we can hear exactly what God says to us, amen? So we believe that God speaks to us through his word, and I believe, I pray that you do as well, that he's going to do that for us today. Last week, we kicked it off with Ephesians chapter two. Verse one, and we read these words. Go ahead and read them off the screen for me. Ready? One, two, three. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Uh, a, a difficult message to a degree. I mean, it's hard for me to preach because I was preaching to my own heart. Pastor Hayden, do you realize that you were dead in your sins and your trespasses apart from a saving faith and relationship with Christ? We realize very quickly, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in the city of Ephesus, the Ephesian church, the same way that he writes, inspired by God to the Las Bagians, if you would, in Walk Church, that, that brother, sister, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We talked about what sin was last week, missing God's mark, missing God's standard of glory we talked about what trespasses are and how God said hey don't do this don't do that don't go there don't go there and at some point in our lives we have trespassed against his word we have sinned by missing him by failing to bring him the glory that he is doing because of that we have been made dead we talked about last week how it doesn't say that you were asleep or it says that it doesn't say that you were in a spiritual coma It doesn't say that at one time you were taking a nap. And if that's your case right now, go ahead and bump the person next to you and say, wake wake up. Um, It doesn't doesn't say that, it says that you were dead. You were dead, some synonyms for the word dead, lifeless, deceased, in the morgue. Spiritually, we weren't in the doghouse of God, We we were in the graveyard, spiritually unmoved, untapped, just not able to uh, comprehend spiritual things because we weren't spiritually alive. We were spiritually dead. The text later on goes to say, but God made us alive in Christ. But we, before we get there, we see that in, verse, in chapter two. He, Paul's not done with this statement. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10 is actually just one long sentence. That's 10 verses of just a powerful sentence that Paul is trying to communicate to the believers, and he does so here today. As we go ahead and continue reading on to verse 2, let's go ahead and look at that now. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, simply put, Follow the Leader. Follow the Leader. Father God, I come before you right now as we look at these words on the screen and on, on our Bibles. God, we, we know that, that you're the leader of our lives, but sometimes we don't live like that. So Lord, if anybody in here is dead and their sins and trespasses, wake them up. God, if anybody in here today is drifting from the life that's in Christ, draw them back, God. For you are the only Lord and leader that's worthy to be followed. In Jesus' name, amen. Has anybody ever played that game uh, growing up, follow the leader? Maybe you got in a group and you were just bored and you said, hey, we got no money, we got nothing else to do, let's play follow the leader, all right? And there's one person, this is the object of the game, there's a leader, right? And he gets in front of the group and he says, all right, we're going to put our hand up. And everybody puts their hand up. And then we're going to put our left hand up. This just sounds like the hokey pokey, my bad. Uh, that's a different game. Um, <laughs> but you do, you do something, right? And the person is supposed to follow what the leader is doing. It's supposed to mimic the action, that's how you play the game, follow the leader. Essentially, what this text is saying is that we are all playing that game with our lives. That we live in a, in a season of playing follow the leader. It's not just a, a hobby or a game that we do from time to time. It's actually who we are. And I believe that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, who we follow matters identifying who it is that we actually follow matters. So I got three points today that I want to talk about in regards to these points. The first point that I want to talk about is this. Who we follow matters because it affects how we live today. Who we follow matters because it affects how we live today. As we look at verse two, once again, the text says, in which you once walked. So we were dead in our sins and trespasses, and he goes a little bit deeper. He says, in which you once walked following the course of this world. It says, one of the things that that made you dead was that you were following the wrong leader. Your fellowship was actually following the course of this world rather than the course of our God. I like how Ephesians 2 in the NIV translation says it just a little bit differently. It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. In which you once walked, it was, it was the lifestyle that you once had or currently do have that separated you from God and actually made you dead spiritually. Paul's reminding us that it was when we were following the course of this world, rather than the hope of this world, Christ, we were made dead in our sins and trespasses. R. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Ephesians says it like this, the word translated world, it's the Greek word cosmos. It's used 186 times in the Greek New Testament. Virtually every instance has an evil connotation to it. The spiritually dead are dominated by the world. I don't want us to just rush past this verse because I think it has much meaning for us today, especially when we, we use that phrase, who we follow matters who we follow, actually makes a difference in our life. If God talks about the world 186 times in his book, and majority of those times are used in a negative way or in an evil reference, that should alarm something for us and should say, hey, don't follow whatever that is because it won't end well. One of the evidences, I believe, that somebody is completely alive in Christ, somebody that's born again into a right relationship with God, the evidence that I see in those people's lives is that they have a new relationship toward the world. Their, Their relationship with the world just looks different. And I don't want you just to take it from my word, because my word really doesn't matter we need to hear from God this morning. We see it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The apostle John writes to the church that he was a part of and says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The things of this world, the temporary things in this world. John would encourage us and admonish us this morning and say, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're going to talk a little bit more about what this means in just a second. We we also hear it not just from John. We hear it from James, the brother of Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 4, he says, you adulterous people. He was a little upset. (laughs) There was some crazy stuff happening in James' church. Probably would be similar to any church in our country today. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I don't know about you, church family, but I don't ever want to be on the other side of the field of God, right? I don't ever want to be lining up and have God on the other side, right? I don't want that battle, That's a losing battle. There's a reason why we wear Jesus win shirts all around because we are on the winning team, amen? That's God's team. That's Jesus' team. That's a team that you want to be on. The enemy's team is a losing team. He says you could be a part of that team if your heart is more for the world than for the Lord and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. John says, hey, if you love the things of this world more than God, the love of the Father is not in you. James says, hey, let me tell you something. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, geez, makes himself an enemy of God. We see it now here in Paul, the church planter, pastor of the Ephesian church. Let's bring back our theme verse in Ephesians 2. He says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. It says that, that, that we're in a course Do we got any students in the room? Any students? Raise your hand if you're a student, young or old. Are you guys, anybody in a course right now? You're taking a specific course, right? You're learning in that course. You're studying from the teacher in that course. You're growing in that course. Well, we're all in a course. And the the leader and the teacher of that course is important. And that means you're either going to be following the, the world, the course of the world, or the course that God would have us in inside of the world. Maybe you'd have this question this morning. Well, that could be slightly confusing. What is the world and what's not? It's, is it possible to like, like be in the world, but but not of the world as Jesus once put it, as the, the Pharisees were trying to condemn Christ. And he said, hey, look, just because I'm in the world doesn't mean I'm of this world. I love what Paul says to the Philippian church but we actually preached on it about a year ago. He says that you're no longer citizens of this world. He says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are now a citizen of the kingdom of God. That just means that this world and you are different like, hey, I'm not, I'm not from here. My citizenship is not just here. I have a dual citizenship. It's here, and it's the kingdom of heaven, and that's where I'm going. That's, that's my home, right? And, and the citizenship of this world um, will lead you to spiritual death. Now, I want to make it clear here that there's, there, there could be a, a real temptation to take what I'm talking about out of context and miss the meaning of what God has for us in the text as well as for the intention of the author here, right? John Whitmer says it like this as he defined the world in his commentary. He said, the secular culture that has structured itself apart from God wanting no relationship with him. That's what it means to love this world more than God. It means to say, hey, you know what? I'm structuring myself apart from God. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with the church, with Jesus, with reading the Bible. I would rather read anything else as opposed to his word. I don't want a relationship with him. I don't want a relationship with Christ. If that's the mindset, that's of the world. There has been religious sects and even cults that have been taking these phrases like follow the course of the world out of context. Like some religious sects would say, oh, we can't drive an automobile, that's the world. Some would say, oh, man, we can't wear jeans. That's too much of the world. And so you can go too far away from that, but in the reality, wearing jeans doesn't necessarily affect your relationship with God, or at least it shouldn't um, May help your relationship with God, all right? Um, If the culture has structured itself apart from God, don't join into that culture is what he's saying. The culture that surrounds you is saying, hey, we are explicitly separated from God. Like I remember driving down the street. This is, a, this is a, a evidence of the world in my life. I remember pulling up to the stop line. I saw a big billboard. I'm not gonna name the, the, the nightclub reference, but it was a specific club, and it said, come worship with us on this evening, right? So, so that to me is part of not wanting a relationship with Christ, but wanting a relationship with something else, right? And, and Paul is very clear. He's saying, hey, be careful there that you don't follow the course of this world. I think it's less about how you dress, it's less about what you drive, I think it's less about those types of things, whether you're allowed to watch sports or not, things like that. If anything distracts you from your relationship with God and causes you to stumble, there you go. That's the world, right? Like someone came up to me before the service today. They said, bro, that jacket reminds me of this artist. And I was like, that's awesome, man. I was like, is it distracting you? He goes, no, man, I like it. I was like, good, man. <laughs> that, I wanted to, I wanted to, to serve what we're doing, whatever it is that we do, right? Whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God and worship him. If it distracts you, if it, if it, If it causes you to stumble, that's your cue. I'm following the course of this world. If all of a sudden now you're closer to sin rather than closer to him, you may be following the course of this world. If you're in an environment, if you're watching a TV show, all right. let's say you picked a new season, and this season is glorifying sin, and now you're getting tempted by it, and you're getting thrown off and distracted by it, that could be a cue. You know what? I think I might be following the course of this world. And for the believer in Christ, the apostle Paul is saying here, hey, that was who you were. I had a phone call from a brother this week, one of the guys in our charge group. And, and he called me up in, my, in our men's group and he said, hey, Pastor Hyden, I, I need some prayer. I said, awesome, man. Well, how can I pray for you? He said, well, back, back when I used to live in the world, when I used to sell drugs I used to be a part of a gang. I had some friendships and some relationships that I really had some struggle with. And now some of those things are starting to come back into my life. And it tempted me to go back to that life and to retaliate. But you know what I remembered? I'm not following the course of this world anymore. So I just killed him with kindness. I just loved on him. I actually called this person to apologize, and I don't even know what I was apologizing for. I just like, yo, bro, I'm sorry, man. He's like, for What? I just wanted to say, I'm sorry, man, I love you. Everything changed in those conversations where God was glorified, I'm no longer, I'm just, it's just no longer me. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see these types of phrases. And you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Can you take that phrase and lay it over your life and say, you know what, the old's gone. The new has come. Remember one time a person said to me, and you changed, bro you know what I said good yes yes I hope I've changed I hope I'm not the same person that I was I hope I'm getting better I hope I'm growing closer to Christ I hope that when I step in the room someone feels the affections and contagiousness of Jesus because I'm been with him right I love what it says about the 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 disciples in Acts chapter 4 it says these were uneducated men yet they knew that they had been with Jesus Man, I, I want somebody to say, man, I don't know what it is, but that person's been with Jesus. He might be uneducated. He might be all types of stuff that isn't right, but, but man, he's been with Christ. That's what it looks like to not follow the course of this world, to not be affected by this world to a point where it causes you to sin, whether that's on social media or what you're watching, or what you're listening to. I don't know about you, right? I'm not the person, just so you know, that says, hey, you're a believer in Jesus, go throw all your music away that you used to listen to. That's not me. But I do know this in my testimony, that the music I do listen to just began to organically change the more I grew closer to Jesus. The movies that I I watch now and maybe I'll watch one that I, I used to watch that I, before I was a believer in Jesus. It's just sometimes just different for me to be honest, church. And I think part of that was because I once was spiritually dead. I was numb to the things of this world. Like the world could have poked me and I wouldn't have felt it, I just would have been regular. Just, hey, this is what, what it is. But now I'm spiritually alive. And I see things differently. The question is, do you see things differently? Do you feel things differently? Do you look at, do you follow differently? Like, I once followed the course of this world, but now it's starting to get a little weird because I also follow Jesus. Right? That's what Paul is saying here. Ephesian church, don't get so far away from the gospel that you forget who you are. Remember the identity theft series. I once followed sin, but now I follow him. I once followed the course of this world, now I follow the God who can save this world, and his name is Jesus. Who we follow matters. It affects how we live today. So I'm not giving you the absolute statements that you need to do this, you need to do that. Here's what you do need to do. You need to get with Jesus, and whatever he says to do, do it. That's how you know if you're following Jesus or not. If you're following the course of this world, when the world says jump, you jump. When the world says go here, you go there. When the world says say that, you say that. But if you're following Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, follow me, it's a new day. It's a new calling. Who we follow matters. Let me give you the second point that I want us to see in this text. Not just who we follow matters because it affects the way we live, but who we follow matters because it informs what we think about some would say the mind is the gateway to our heart, to our soul. Brothers and sisters here at Walk Church this morning, and for those who are joining us online, what we think about matters. What we think about, what goes into our minds is actually important. He goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 2, he says, that, like this, he says, you once walked, you once lived following the course of this world. And he goes on and says, following the prince of the power of the air, he says, you weren't just following this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. Now, maybe that's a phrase that you're not familiar with or what is he getting at when he says that? Let me give it to you in a different translation in the New Living Translation. He says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit of at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Who we follow matters. Where once we followed the ways of the world, led by Satan himself. Paul goes, do you not realize that the world is governed by the enemy, the prince of the power of the air? Three times in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to the devil with this phrase, the ruler of this world, the prince of this world the king of this world, right? And he's a lowercase king. He is very much a little king. Jesus is the king, capital king of kings. (laughs) Believe that. The enemy has no power over Christ, and he never will, but he does in this world. He's blinded the hearts of people caused people to look away from Christ and why they were created in the joy that's found in God and to look to him and to follow him in his ways and world. Jesus once said it like this in John chapter 8 verse 44. He was speaking in a harsh tone and he was speaking to people who just didn't understand they were following the course of this world. Look at what he says. He says, you are of your father the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus is actually speaking to a very religious group at this point. Right? Let's not just think of the world as the people in out explicitly sinning. You could be of this world and be completely religious, Absent from a relationship with Jesus Jesus here looking at the religious elite says you're of your father the devil They're like hold up. We weren't sinning like the rest of the world. He goes, but your will is to do your father's desires Because you missed me See that's why I want to keep putting the laser focus on Jesus. Whatever. He says is what we're gonna do He's the Lord. He's the king. He's who we follow. I Don't follow myself I don't follow the prince of this world, I follow Christ, he's my leader. We wanna make sure that that affects the way we live and the way we think. Romans chapter 12, verse two, the Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church. We just read this first verse on the screen as we were singing that song, but the second verse is equally as powerful. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, say it with me, the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love talking about this verse because this verse really defines the life of the believer. He says, "Here's the believer in Christ. Are you be, are, are you conforming more to the ways of this world? Or are you being more transformed into the image of Christ? Are you looking more like Jesus? Or are you looking more like this world? Well, here's a test. What's going on in your mind?" Jesus elevated the standard of the believer so much so that he says it's not about what you do as much as it is what you think. Jesus goes on to say things like, hey, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you already did it. If you look at a brother with hatred in your heart, you've already murdered that person. Jesus is like, hey, I'm looking at your heart, my friend. I'm looking at your mind. We need to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As our mind is transformed, our lives are transformed. Right? As you begin to put into place things in your mind that are of God, you'll begin to think about things that are of God. Things that are right and true. The Apostle Paul in one place in Philippians 4 says, think about the things that are good. You'll feel good. Think about the things that are right and true and excellent and worthy of praise. Think about things that are worthy of praise. We start thinking about things that are discouraging. I promise you, pretty soon you'll feel discouraged. You start thinking about things that are comparisons. I promise you, you'll start feeling empty. We start thinking about the things of God, and thinking about the gospel, and thinking about the reality that, uh, that you were dead in your sins and trespasses, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan. But God stepped in and said, I got something new and better for you. I start thinking about those things. I start getting reminded of how much I love Jesus. Because he could have left me in verse 2. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. You were dead following sin. What if God would have said, hey, Hayden, I'm just going to leave you there, as opposed to enter into my sinful world and say, I, I want to call you to follow me. What a gift. If God is creeping up in the room today, putting his arm around you and saying, psst, follow me, that is an offer that you shouldn't refuse. Amen. I would put my yes on that table every day, and I do. I do. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 4 is actually some verses of scripture that I chose to memorize a few years ago. Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says it like this. He says, if then you've been raised with Christ. Why is that an important phrase, church? Because he's saying you were dead. But if you've been raised to life with Christ, it should affect how you think. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you then also will appear with him in glory. He says this should affect the way we seek things and think about things, Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. Set your minds on things that are above. You know what that means? You got to be disciplined to do that. This is an action step, church. This requires you being diligent to say, all right, mind, you guys know what I'm talking about right now? When you say mind, I'm going to tell you where to go. Like, don't let your mind tell you where to go, you tell your mind where it should go. Set your mind on things that are above. One of the reasons why I memorized Colossians 3 verse 1 through 4 is because throughout the day when my mind would go to different places... My mind would go to sin, my mind would go to gossip, my mind would go to slander, my mind would go to lust, my mind would go to pride. If that, if that were to happen, I would just start quoting, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are, above. for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you then also will appear with him in glory. Put to death the things of this world, things that, right? I would just, I would just start quoting those scriptures in my head. All of a sudden, whatever I was thinking about, I couldn't even remember what I was thinking about. I, I was already... I'd be living my life. Something would try to cause me to follow the course of this world. I just, quote Romans 12 too, Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can test and prove what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. What were we talking about again, right? Like, th- you need to transform your mind Why do we put so much emphasis on God's word? God is speaking, church. He wants to transform our thinking. When you think about the things of him, you get him. and He's so good. Let me pull Romans chapter 12, verse two up, and we're gonna lead into our last point one more time. I just want us to look at this last part of the verse because some of you may be thinking here today, let me just go ahead and put it out there. I wanna address the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is this. Man, but the world, like, The world is sometimes cool and sexy and hip. And if if I don't follow the world, that's gonna take away joy from my life. Like if I if I start following God and following Jesus, that's gonna hinder my life. I love what Paul says here in Romans 12. He says, no, no, no. Don't conform to this world and begin to test. Anybody ever take a test? Right? I want you to test what the will of God is for your life. Don't just assume, don't allow the enemy to lie to you that God's will for your life is boring. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say, if you start following Jesus, you're gonna be sad. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say, hey, if you don't follow the course of this world, you're gonna miss out. He says, actually, test and discern what the will of God is. What is good? You guys know what good means? Everybody say good. good. You know what good means. Good means good. No other definition needed, good is good acceptable. Like, yo, I accept that. That's good right there. Perfect. When's the last time you experienced something perfect? God says, well, that's what my will is for your life. God's will for your life is perfect. I'll tell you what, when I was in in, in college as a freshman and I started to come across the gospel and the things that we're talking about here, I had a very real choice to make. Just right there in front of me. I can either continue to follow the course of this world and see what happens, or I can follow the course of Jesus and see what happens. All right, let's fast forward 10 years later. If I could go back to that moment, I'd still choose Jesus. I experienced more freedom and more joy and more passion and more purpose. I couldn't imagine where I would be today if I didn't say, yes, Lord. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna to look like. I don't know how you're gonna provide. I don't know how it's all gonna make sense, but I don't have to, because I'm following the one who does know, who holds the plans of my heart and my life, and he says they're good, acceptable, and perfect. I'll tell you what, H.B. Charles says it like this, if you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business, amen? I'll tell you what, I want God taking care of my business. I want want to show up at God's office and say, here's all my stuff, God. Can you take care of it all? Yes, I can. Just take care of my business. What's what's God's business? Follow me. Don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. The calling on your life is very simple. Follow me. Jesus says, follow me. That's it. Don't follow the course of this world. He says, follow me me let me give you the third and final point here who we follow matters because it determines where we will where we will go tomorrow who we follow matters not just today friend it it, it determines where we're going to go tomorrow who we follow determines our destiny you do you do know that right a couple weeks ago George and I we were in uh, mobile alabama and we finished up the church service and um, the pastor said, hey, we're going to this restaurant. I said, oh, awesome. Where's that? He said, just follow me. So we didn't know where we were going. We just followed him all the way to this restaurant. If you want to go somewhere specific, just follow somebody that's already going there. Like if you want to go to hell, follow someone that's going to hell. Right? You want to go to heaven? Follow somebody that's on their way to heaven. Look at, look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll finish up verse 2. He says, you were spiritually dead in your sins and trespasses in which you once walked you were following the course of this world you were following the prince of the power of the heir Satan and, and that's the spirit that is at now at work in the sons of disobedience your disobedience tomorrow will, will be dependent on your decision today if you say hey you know what I'm going to follow Jesus today that will affect how you live tomorrow you say, I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to continue following the course of this world. I kind of like it a little bit better. Well, that will affect your destiny tomorrow. And not just tomorrow, but next year. Years from now. I remember hearing a testimony of a man who was in his 60s, and he finally became a follower of Jesus. He finally put his yes on the table, and he came to the altar weeping, and he said, I've wasted it. <laughs> I've, wasted, I've wasted my life. And praise God, he, he had the rest of his life to live it with purpose and to live it for Christ. But the reality is maybe you're in a place right now where you are just need, needing to say, hey, what, who am I going to follow? Because it really does matter. Warren Wearsby in his commentary says it like this. He says, says there are three forces that, that encourages man in his disobedience. The world the devil, and the flesh. We want to just call all three out. We already talked about the world. Anything that distracts you from Christ, anything that takes your eye off the ball and causes you to sin, that's the world. Don't make it any more difficult than that. If it causes you to sin, it's of this world. The devil, Satan, the deceiver, the liar, the one who is calling you to, um, to turn from God, who wants to steal your life, kill your life, destroy your life, and finally, the flesh, yourself. Yourself will call you to disobedience. Yourself will cause you to follow this world. But don't listen, church. Don't allow your flesh even to energize you to do things that are disobedient. Uh, we see it here in Galatians five, verse 24. Read these words off the screen with me, are you ready? One, two, three. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul says you're a new believer. Right? Not just when Jesus died on the cross, but you died too. Your old self is gone. Your new self is here. You're alive in Christ. Don't go back to the things that were separating you. We see it in Romans chapter six, verse six. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Could you say that? Don't answer, just in your heart, answer it. Can you say, oh yeah, my old self, that was crucified with Christ. So that the body of sin might be rendered powerless. I wanna speak back to a lie that some of us are believing. Maybe you're walking through an addiction and it's saying I'm more powerful than Jesus. Maybe you're walking through a struggle and it's saying, hey, you're coming back to me later. Let me tell you something. That's powerless for the person who has Christ in them. You got to claim that over your life. Speak that to your heart. I'm a new creation. I don't have to go back to where I came from. I'm going to somewhere so much better. My destiny is so much greater. I'm following Christ. We should no longer be slaves to sin. We should no longer be slaves to sin. My final point here today, I would like to close with just a testimony of this in action. It's just a, uh, it's just a picture of what we've been seeing here in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 9. This is a story of a person that I'm sure we could all relate to. He's actually the author of the gospel of Matthew, and we see how he came to know Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus says, this is, this is what happened. He was passing on from there. He was on his journey. And he saw a man called Matthew, right? Let's just say, Austin, you're Matthew. And Jesus is, he's on his, he's on the move. He's with his disciples. He's on this journey. And he sees this young man sitting at the tax booth. Commentaries give us more insight into Matthew's life. He was a tax collector. He was a modern day thug. He was a person who followed the course of this world. He wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. He wouldn't have wanted to go in the temple. But wouldn't it be so of God that Jesus would walk right up to him and say to him two words, follow me. Wow. That Jesus would come up to you this morning, brother, sister, and say, follow me. That he would approach you in your sin. Like, this is not Matthew at the altar, like, Jesus, f- receive me, forgive me. No, he's just right there, prime time, in the middle of the tax season. Anybody know about tax season? Come on, enter in. He's right here at H&R Block in his booth, okay? He's stealing people's money. He's he's doing all types of wrong stuff. He's an outcast. We don't know his entire testimony. We just know that he was in the wrong place following the wrong person. And I love that Jesus went straight up to him and said, follow me. Man, what a gift. What did Matthew do? He got up and he said, yes, Lord he followed Jesus and he became one of the disciples that day and God used him to do great things it says later on that evening go ahead and read it when you get when you get home but Matthew chapter 9 says later on that evening Jesus went to Matthew's house and was reclining at the table with fellows with all types of sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and other people were there and then the religious elite showed up and they said Jesus what are you doing here what 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 are you why that's Matthew why are you here It never says that Jesus compromised. He never... Jesus didn't follow the course of this world. He impacted the world. Right? You can be in the world and still be a game changer. You don't have to go build a monastery and live out on the outskirts. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus was a game changer in the world. Jesus lived amongst people who didn't even believe what he did and he changed them by his lifestyle, by his words by his love, you can do the same thing. Jesus looked at the people in the room that were criticizing that day and he said, I've came to seek and to save those who are lost. He said, hey, it's, it's the sick that need the doctors, right? And why are you complaining? You follow me. That's what it's about. Putting your yes on the table looking at the world, looking at sin, looking at yourself and just saying, you know what, I say yes to Jesus. He's all I need. He's all I want. Lord, use me.